Hello, I'm glad you can meet with me again today. We are at our Genesis 34 as we're continuing our book study. And we just got done uh, looking in the last chapter at Jacob uh, kind of making up with his brother Esau after they had that big trouble because of Jacob taking the birthright. And it's been 20-ish years since uh, they've seen each other, but they had a good meeting and God helped them work it out. So we're today on chapter 34, and we are going to read about um, Jacob's only daughter that we know of uh, by the name of Dinah and see what happens to her. I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. It is quite often in the, at the beginning of a chapter, the first one or the first, first and second uh, uh, verses of a chapter, Quite often, the author will tell us kind of what's going to happen or who's going to be talked about in that chapter, and you're going to see that that's what happens here also. It, it, it begins off, and Dinah, the daughter of Leah, uh, that's the first line of this chapter, and that's what this chapter is about. It's about Dinah and what has taken place with her. So why don't we get started, if you're ready, with chapter 34. Verse number one, and it says, And Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. So we know right off the bat that we're talking about Dinah. And uh, like I said, as far as we know, this is Jacob's only daughter. So she grew up with 11 brothers. Uh, they're going to have another brother, uh, but they haven't had this last brother, Benjamin, yet. And so she grew up around 11 brothers, which were probably pretty protective of her. So she was probably used to going around and doing what she wanted and having her brothers protect her. But we see now she went out, it looks like by herself, and into the land of Canaan to kind of, it looks like maybe to visit with some of the other women in the land, other kids in the land. Uh, we, As we look at, uh, at Dinah, she's probably somewhere between... 13 and 18 years old we can't say for sure but in that ballpark so she's she's fairly young she's a teenager but so she has decided to go out by herself which now jacob this is just bad parenting on jacob's part he shouldn't have allowed her to go out by herself now they just recently moved back to the land of canaan they were up there in padanaram the haran area and so they'd been there a while. She was probably used to going out and wandering around by herself there. But now they're in a new land. Uh, they've returned back to uh, Jacob's homeland of Canaan. And there's many nations that is in the land that they don't know about. And they serve a lot of other gods and different, have a different moral structure than what uh, Jacob's family is used to. So... Unfortunately, Diana's going to run into some trouble we're going to see here in just a moment. So let's look at verse 2. So Diana's out wandering in the land. And verse 2 says, And when Shechem, let's stop right there for a second. Shechem is the name of a man, the prince of the Hivites. And Shechem is also a region of the area. It's also a town. So a person's name, a town, a region. So let's go back. Verse number 2, And when Shechem the son of Hamor the Hivite, prince of the country, so he's a pretty important guy, saw her, 
he took her and lay with her and defiled her. Defiled means that he humiliated her and he raped her. So there's this young woman, uh, this Shechem, he is uh, of one of the nations of of Canaan that they don't serve the God of Jacob and of uh, Abraham. They serve their own gods and they have their own moral ideas. And uh, he just saw her, he liked her, and he saw, thought, well, I'll just take her. And isn't that terrible? And a lot of what we see going on today in the world with our young people is they see each other out in the world and they see each other and they think, oh, I like the way that person looks. And they're just all of a sudden, they don't really know each other. They're not got any plans for a life together. They're definitely not married uh, like God would want them to be. But they're out uh, doing all kinds of sexual activity in, in a way God, God's not pleased with this. This is not what God wants. God wants them to be in a committed marriage relationship. But the enemy has really done his work, hasn't he? He's got our uh, people of the world thinking they don't need that, that they can just go out and fulfill the lust of their eyes, fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that is what's happening. They're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, and they think that's making them happy. Then a lot of times they're ending up pregnant or with all kinds of STDs and all kinds of problems, and they wonder, why are these bad things happening to me? Well, they're happening because you are operating in sin. If they were operating God's way, they wouldn't have to worry about those terrible things. We can't let ourselves just do like Shechem here. He saw someone he wanted, so he just took her against her against her will. He just took her. And what we're seeing today is our young people, a lot of our young men, not only our young people, but a lot of our older people too, they're out here just deciding, well, I like that person. So I don't care that I'm married to him or not. I'm just going to fulfill my own lust. And it's unfortunate that we're seeing this happen. Let's keep moving here in verse 3. And his, Shechem's soul, clave unto Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel and spake kindly unto the damsel. Now, isn't this interesting? This is absolutely backwards to the way God would have it be done. So once he went and took her and raped her now after he's all done with her he's decided he loves her i mean his soul clave unto her now he's in love with her and he says and spoke kindly to the damsel he should have been speaking kindly to her up front at first and been instead of fulfilling all his lust he should have shown how much he cared for her and went and talked to her family and said hey i'd like to marry this young woman here but he got he allowed his eyes to get in the way, and he lust controlled him and not anything else, just lust. We can't allow lust to control our minds. we got to put it under the blood of Jesus. Uh, verse number 4 says, And Shechem spake unto his father Hamor, saying, Get me this damsel to wife. So Shechem spoke to his dad and said, Go, go work out a deal for me to marry uh, Dinah, because now, now he wants to marry her. Of course, he got got everything backwards, completely backwards, but he, he now wants to marry her. And after he has done all his vile things. And verse 5 says, And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were were with his cattle in the field, and Jacob was, Jake, and Jacob held his peace until they were come. And so, 
the, finally, Jacob heard what happened. We don't know how he heard. He might have heard from Dinah, or he might have heard some other way, but he, he heard this Shechem had done this terrible thing to his daughter. And so let's see how Jacob responds. We're going to be finding out Jacob is struggling with being a good parent. It is so important for us to be good parents, watchful parents for sure. But more than that, we have to be godly parents. We have to be people or parents. We have got to be parents that show our children the way to the Lord. And and on top of that, we've got to be people that truly show our children. We have to live the life of a Christian and show them that being a Christian is the way to be. I wouldn't want any other way. It is the way to go, living for the Lord. And so let's keep going. Uh, Let's see here. And uh, verse 6, And Hamor the father of Shechem went out unto Jacob to commune with him. And verse 7, And the sons of Jacob came out of the field when they heard it, and the men were grieved, and they were very wroth, or they were very angry. Because he had wrought folly, he had offended them in Israel, in lying with Jacob's daughter, which thing ought not to be done. Now what we're seeing here, we haven't been told yet that Jacob is upset. We heard that he heard what happened to Dinah. And we heard that Shechem has come to talk to Jacob, the head of the family. But not that Jacob is upset. Now, now, if he was upset about it, he certainly isn't communicating it here. But he, when his sons heard that something had happened to their uh, sister Dinah, it says they were very wroth or very angry. And they should be angry. There was a terrible thing that happened to this young woman. Shouldn't have been done. And so, verse 8 says, And Hamor communed with them, saying, the soul of my son Shechem longeth for your daughter. I pray you give her him to wife. So Hamor, Shechem's dad, he's trying to work out a deal here uh, to for Shechem to marry Dinah. And he's telling uh, Jacob and Jacob's sons, he is saying, look, now my son Shechem, he, he's now in love with your daughter. He's probably not in love with her. He, he's probably just still in lust with her. And Jacob shouldn't allow his daughter Dinah to have anything to do with this Shechem. This, for one thing, if you remember, he had to go find a wife uh, outside of the Canaanites. And why wouldn't he want his daughter to find a husband outside of the Canaanites? And But... So far, we're not seeing anything from Jacob, only from his sons, who are not the head of the family. He is the head of the family. We've got to be the head of our family, men, and we've got to demonstrate how to live for the Lord and lead our family. We need to lead our family in living for the Lord in, in, in devotions, reading the Bible, and in praying, and in showing them that the Christian lifestyle is the proper way to live. Otherwise, what happens is our kids start growing up, and they start running around on their own, and they, they will go out and, and get into all kinds of trouble in a lot, a lot of different ways that is not godly trouble if we haven't already taught them the right way to go. Let's teach them how to live a godly lifestyle, and they will not leave. They'll want to live that way. Uh, 
Our children should be taught correctly. We should not give up how to live. Get, we should not give up being the head of our families. And so let's keep looking here. Verse nine, and make ye marriages with us, and give your daughters to us, and take our daughters unto you. So Hamor says, let's make a let's make a deal that you can marry the women of our town, and we will marry your women. So they they would uh, be intermarried, and uh, I don't. God's not going to be pleased with that. I don't believe. You know, God hasn't spoken yet. In fact, I believe within this chapter here that God isn't mentioned even one time in chapter thirty-four, if I remember right. Uh, we'll we'll look as we read through it, but I, I believe He's not mentioned even one time in here, and that's because God isn't being looked to in this chapter for the solution. And uh, so we see here Hamor still trying to work out a deal for Dinah. And not only that, he's trying to work out a deal for his town. That he's trying to get them, because uh, what we see is Jacob and his, his, his family is large, and he's got servants, and he's got flocks. And so the Hivites, uh, they want some people to trade with, and that will help strengthen uh, their, their, their town. Uh, the towns in this I've looked it up, and I, I think that from what I've researched, that um, the towns around this this age were around, some were larger than 2,000, but a lot of them were 2,000 and under. And I think in this time, we're probably looking at uh, Shechem being uh, about 2,000 or under people. So let's keep looking here. Verse 10. And ye shall dwell with us, and the land shall be be before you. Dwell and trade ye therein, and get you possessions therein. So he's trying to sweeten the pot a little bit. Hamor is. He's saying, look, you can come trade with us and get things that you're in need of, and I'm sure you have things that we're in need of. And not only that, we both have, have uh, women we can intermarry with. And so verse 11 says, And Shechem said unto her father, and unto her brethren. Let me find grace in your eyes, and what ye shall say unto me, I will give. And so he's saying, hey, I'll give you whatever you ask. Um, so uh, what we're seeing here is Jacob should be saying, she isn't marrying you under any circumstances. But he is not saying that, you'll notice. Uh, so far, what we're hearing is just him kind of listening along. And so verse 12, he says, Ask me never so much dowry and gift. In other words, I'll, I'll pay you whatever you're asking. Because that was normal to have a dowry in that time. And then he says, And I will give according as ye shall say unto me, but give me the damsel to wife. He says, No matter what it is, no matter what I have to pay, I'm willing to pay it. He was a prince of the Hivite, so he's probably fairly wealthy he wasn't afraid to, to offer what to pay whatever he had to pay and he says whatever it is i'll do and but that's not what jacob needs to be doing jacob needs to be taking care of his daughter that was mistreated by this man this man was not going to respect her and unfortunately he was going to be treated terribly by this man and verse 13 says and the sons of jacob answered Shechem and Hamor, his father, deceitfully. 
and said, because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. So uh, now, now the sons, Jacob's sons, they're jumping in, in here. They've kind of pushed Jacob to the side, who is the head of the household, and should be working this all out himself. But I think what's happening is his sons are seeing that this is not going the way they want to go. Jacob is not uh, working out a deal like, like telling them to get lost. You're not marrying my daughter. It, I think it kind of seems to them like it seems to me that Jacob is maybe listening to uh, Hamor and Shechem what they have to say. And, and really, he shouldn't be listening other than telling them to leave. And so uh, verse 14 says, And they said unto them, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one that is uncircumcised, for that were a reproach unto us. And so now what we're seeing is uh, the sons of Jacob, they are deceitfully, or they are, they are lying to Shechem and Hamor here, that they want them to be circumcised because they're, they're all circumcised. And they said, you're going to need to be circumcised like we are. Even that would be true if they were coming in to be part of the of Jacob's family. They would have to be circumcised, but they're not coming in to be a part of, of his family. They are just wanting to inter intertrade wives is what they're in, and trade. And so they're not trying to come in and be a part of Jacob's group. If they were, they would be un, they would have to be circumcised at that point. So actually, uh, this is all a trick, as we're going to see here in just a moment. Verse 15, But in this we will consent unto you, if ye will be as we, that every male of you be circumcised. So, not just Hamor, and not just Shechem, but all the men of Shechem would have to be circumcised. And then they're saying, verse 16, and so in 15, they said, if all you will be circumcised, then we'll do it. 16 says, then will we give our daughters unto you, and we will take your daughters unto us, our daughters to us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. That's interesting. Uh, but now, remember, Jacob's sons, they have no intention of becoming one people with the people of Shechem. This is all a trick. Verse 17, But if ye will not hearken unto us, so it's kind of an if-then, but if ye will not hearken unto us to be circumcised, then will we take our daughter and we will be gone. That's what they should have done. They should have just taken their sister and been gone right there. And verse 18 says, and their words pleased Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. In verse 19, And the young man deferred not to do the thing, because he had delight in Jacob's daughter, and he was more honorable than all the house of his father. So it's in verse 19, it's saying, uh, Hamor, or Shechem, I mean, he didn't wait. He just went right out and got circumcised, as are the rest of the men. But we, it's letting us know that Shechem didn't wait. He just hurriedly did it, because he was wanting... Dinah is his wife, or one of his wives, maybe. Doesn't really tell us if he had other wives. And so, uh, let's see, verse 20. And Hamor and Shechem, his son, came out, came unto the gate of their city. 
and commune with the men of their city, saying, verse 21, These men are peaceable with us. Therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade therein, for the land, behold, it is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters to us for wives, and let us give them give them our daughters. So Hamor and Shechem have come and met with the leaders of the city, and they're, they're making their case. They're saying, we think we ought to join up with these people. We ought to be circumcised, so we'll have more more women to marry with, and, and we'll give them our daughters to marry with them. And they say they're peaceable people. They didn't go to war with us when, when really they could have gone to war over this situation and uh, would have been understandable, but uh, they didn't. So they're making their case to the men. And so in verse 22, it says, only herein, now they're going to give them the caveat. Uh, this, this is the big caveat they're going to give to the men of Shechem. Only herein will the men consent unto us for to dwell with us. To be one people, if every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised. So that, that, that's a big ask right there. These, that's a big, big ask for them to do it. But verse 23 says, shall, shall not their cattle and their substance and every beast of theirs be ours? Only let us consent unto them and they will dwell with us. So we, they saw that Jacob and uh, uh, Jacob and his sons, they had a lot of cattle, a lot of sheep, a lot of goats. And so this is an interesting statement in 23. Let me read it to you one more time. It's interesting how they word it here. Shall not their cattle and their substance and every beast of theirs be ours? Now, could it be that uh, Hamor and Shechem were planning to rob Jacob and his sons and take their cattle away. It doesn't say that, but it feels like in reading it that there's almost an implication of that. And I know I think a man that would rape a woman wouldn't be above stealing Jacob's cattle and killing them. Uh, let's look at 24. And Hamor and and unto Hamor and unto Shechem his son hearkened all that went out of the gate of the city, and every male was circumcised all that went out of the gate of his city. So they all went and got themselves circumcised, every one of them. So all the men of the city went and got circumcised. 25 says, And it came to pass on the third day, when they were sore, that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brethren, or Dinah's brothers, took each man his sword and came upon the city boldly, and slew or killed all the males. So this was this was the plan all along. Is they were going to convince the men of Shechem to get circumcised, so they they would be very sore and unable to defend themselves, and then they could come in and kill all the males for raping for for Shechem raping Dinah. Now this is a. I don't want to downplay what happened to Dinah because that's it's very important. It's a terrible thing that happened to her. But the one that should have paid the price is Shechem. He should have been held accountable. He should have either had the death penalty or put in prison or exiled something. Something should have happened. But not just Shechem paid the price, but his whole city paid the price for what he did. 
So um, they they kind of went overboard with, with what they have uh, done here. And so let's move on. And 26 says, And they slew Hamor and Shechem and his son with the edge of the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went out. So Dinah was already staying there with Shechem in, at his place, but they took her home. And 27 says, The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and spoiled the city because they had defiled their sister. Now, like I said, they just did overkill here. They could have just punished the one that did it. Shechem should have been punished. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but all the city didn't have to pay the price for what one man did. And uh, 27, the sons of Jacob came upon the slain and spoiled the city because they had defiled their sister. And so the rest of uh, Jacob's sons, uh, the other nine, they came into the city and it looks, according to this, they took anything that was worth anything. And they, and we're going to read here in just a moment that they're going to take, you know, all, all their cattle. They took all the women, all the children. They took every everyone, everything out of it. They left nothing in this city because all, all the men were killed off. So they didn't have a way to protect themselves anymore. And 28 says, They took their sheep and their oxen and their asses and that which was in the city, and that which was in the field. They left nothing. A high price is being paid here. Sin brings a high price. But now, Jacob's sons are committing sin also. They're committing murder. And verse 29, And all their wealth and all their little ones and their wives took they captive and spoiled even all that was in the house. So they went, they went in the houses, they went in the fields, they went everywhere. If they, anything that was worth anything, Jacob's sons, they took it all. They greatly enriched themselves. In verse 30, And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, Ye have troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And this thing with the Perizzites, this is going to come up, I, I believe, in the next chapter Next one or two chapters. And I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. So now we see Jacob, he found his voice. He hasn't been talking since his sons uh, took over the negotiations with Shechem and Hamor. And so he kind of stepped aside and let his sons uh, do the negotiation. But now he's telling them, what you've done, you've made me look bad in the land and the people are going to come after us and we're not strong enough and powerful enough to protect ourselves from the people of the land. Why wasn't he being a better parent uh, when all, all this was going on? Why didn't he tell his sons, don't be doing this, don't be killing those people? What are you doing? Don't let me run this negotiation. He was the head of the family, not his sons. He shouldn't have let his sons take over. And verse 31 says, And they said, Should he deal with our daughter as with an harlot or with a prostitute? 
And it's a good question. Should he have been allowed to deal with Dinah as a prostitute? And no, of course he shouldn't have. But Jacob should have been angry about it. Jacob should have handled his business. Jacob should have been a godly man and a good dad and worked at a situation here for Shechem to be punished. But he stepped back and allowed his sons to take over. We've got to be godly parents. Saints, we've got to be godly parents. We've got, we've got to know what's going on in our kids' life. We've got to be leading them to the Lord. When they make mistakes, we've got to talk to them, show them what's the right way, the right thing that to be done. Otherwise, they're going to go off in the world and they're going to make wrong mistakes. They're going to get away from God. We don't want our children to get away from God. I don't want my children away from God. I want my children to serve the Lord. And one day I want them, when the Lord comes back, I want them to go with him to be in heaven. Because I just can't imagine my children not making it to heaven. That's something I can't picture, and I won't allow myself to picture that. I want to believe my kids are going to go to heaven with me because I'm planning to go. Let's be good and devoted parents to our children. I hope you enjoyed the study today. Well, next time, chapter 35.